Welcome to Old Treasures Made New, your devotional podcast on the go or at home, where we read the scriptures and reflect on them with those from the past. Today we'll be reading Matthew 20, verses 17 to 23, and then through J.C. Ryle's expository thoughts on Matthew. Please take a moment to pause and to ask the Holy Spirit to bring understanding and to apply what we hear. Matthew, chapter 20, verses 17 to 23. And as Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, he took the twelve disciples aside, and on the way he said to them, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and scribes, and they will condemn him to death, and deliver him to the Gentiles be mocked and flogged and crucified, and he will be raised on the third day. Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee came up to him with her sons, and kneeling before him, she asked him for something. And he said to her, What do you want? And she said to him, Say that these two sons of mine are to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your kingdom. And Jesus answered, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am to drink? And they said to him, We are able. And he said to them, You will drink my cup, but to sit at my right hand and my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those to whom has been prepared by my Father. This is the word of the Lord. The first thing we should notice in these verses is the clear announcement which our Lord Jesus makes of his own approaching death. For the third time we find him telling his disciples the astonishing truth that he, their wonder-working master, must soon suffer and die. The Lord Jesus knew from the beginning all that was before him, the treachery of Judas Iscariot, the fierce persecution of the chief priests and scribes, the unjust judgment, the delivery to Pontius Pilate, the mocking, the scourging, the crown of thorns, the cross, the hanging between two malefactors, the nails, the spear, all, all were spread before his mind like a picture. How great an aggravation of suffering for knowledge is. Those know well who have lived in the prospect of some fearful surgical operation. Yet none of these things moved our Lord. He says, I was not rebellious, neither turned away back. I gave my back to the strikers and my cheeks to those who plucked off the hair. I didn't hide my face from shame and spitting. Isaiah 50, verses 5 to 6. He saw Calvary in the distance all his life through, and yet walked calmly up to it, without turning to the right hand or to the left. Surely, there never was sorrow like his sorrow, or love like his love. The Lord Jesus was a voluntary sufferer. When he died on the cross, It was not because he did not have power to prevent it. He suffered intentionally, deliberately, and of his own free will. John 10 verse 18. He knew that without shedding of his blood, there could be no remission of man's sin. He knew that he was the Lamb of God who must die to take away the sin of the world. He knew that his death was the appointed sacrifice which must be offered up to make reconciliation for iniquity. Knowing all this, he went willingly to the cross. 
His heart was set on finishing the mighty work he came into the world to do. He was well aware that all hinged on his own death, and that, without that death, his miracles and preaching would have done comparatively nothing for the world. No wonder that he three times pressed on the attention of his disciples that he must die. Blessed and happy are they who know the real meaning and importance of the sufferings of Christ. The next thing that we should notice in these verses is the mixture of ignorance and faith that may be found even in true-hearted Christians. We see the mother of James and John coming to our Lord with her two sons and proposing on their behalf a strange petition. She asks that they may sit one at his right hand and the other on his left hand in his kingdom. She seems to have forgotten all he has just been saying about his suffering. Her eager mind can think of nothing but his glory. His plain warnings about the crucifixion appear to have been thrown away on her sons. Their thoughts were full of nothing but his throne and the day of his power. There was much of faith in their request, but there was much more of infirmity. There was something to be commended in that they could see in Jesus of Nazareth a coming king, but there was also much to blame in that they did not remember that he was to be crucified before he could reign. Truly, the flesh lusts against the spirit in all God's children, and Luther well remarks, the flesh never seeks to be glorified before it is crucified. There are many Christians who are very like this woman and her sons. They see in part and know in part the things of God. They have faith enough to follow Christ. They have knowledge enough to hate sin and come out from the world. And yet there are many truths of Christianity of which they are deplorably ignorant. They talk ignorantly and they act ignorantly and commit many sad mistakes. Their acquaintance with the Bible is very scanty. Their insight into their own hearts is very small. But we must learn from these verses to deal gently with such people because the Lord has received them. We must not set them down as graceless and godless because of their ignorance. We must remember that true faith may lie at the bottom of their hearts, though there is much rubbish at the top. We must reflect that the sons of Zebedee, whose knowledge was at one time so imperfect, became at a later period pillars of the church of Christ. Just so a believer may begin his course in much darkness, and yet prove finally a man mighty in the scriptures, and a worthy follower of James and John. The last thing that we should notice in these verses is the solemn reproof which our Lord gives to the ignorant request of the mother of Zebedee's children and her two sons. He says to them, You do not know what you are asking. They had asked to share their master's reward, but they had not yet considered that they must first be partakers in their master's sufferings. 1 Peter 4 verse 13 They had forgotten that those who would stand with Christ in glory must drink of his cup of suffering and be baptized with his baptism. They did not see that those who carry the cross and those alone shall receive the crown. Well might our Lord say, you don't know what you are asking. 
But do we never commit the same mistake that the sons of Zebedee committed? Do we never fall into their error and make thoughtless, inconsiderate requests? Do we not often say things in prayer without counting the cost and ask for things to be granted to us without reflecting how much our supplications involve? These are heart-searching questions. It may well be feared that many of us cannot give them a satisfactory answer. We ask that our souls may be saved and go to heaven when we die. It is a good request indeed, but are we prepared to take up the cross and follow Christ? Are we willing to give up the world for His sake? Are we ready to put off the old man and put on the new, to fight, to labor, and to run so as to obtain? Are we ready to withstand a taunting world and endure hardships for Christ's sake? What shall we say? If we are not so ready, our Lord might also say to us, You do not know what you are asking. We ask that God would make us holy. It is a good request indeed. But are we prepared to be sanctified by any process that God in His wisdom may call on us to pass through? Are we ready to be purified by affliction, weaned from the world by bereavements, drawn nearer to God by losses, sicknesses, and sorrow? Alas, these are hard questions. But if we are not, our Lord might well say to us, You don't know what you are asking. Let us leave these verses with a solemn resolution to consider well what we are about when we draw near to God in prayer. Let us beware of thoughtless, inconsiderate, and rash petitions. Well might Solomon say, Be not rash with your mouth, and let not your heart be hasty to utter anything before God. Ecclesiastes 5, verse 2. That is the end of Ryle's expository thoughts for these verses. Let us carefully consider what we have heard today. May the Lord be pleased to bring the growth for His glory. Thank you.